So, as you can see from the intro, uh, we are embarking on a brief series. It's a pretty short series over the next few weeks where we're taking a look at how we actually grow. There's probably no uh, topic, no theme, no series that I think I feel more strongly about or care more about and have put more time and effort into over the years than trying to understand how do we actually grow. I don't know about you, but I get desperate sometimes. Like, this particular season, as I'm starting this year, in, in the healthiest way possible, I'm desperate. There's like a healthy desperation to grow in certain areas that I think are necessary to, in order to be able to carry some of the responsibilities, some of the challenges that, that are gonna automatically come my way this year. So I, I hope that there's something in you that wants to keep growing and developing. And when I talk about growth, I'm talking about ultimately becoming the best version of who God's made us to be, the healthiest, most whole person. It's not to compare to someone else. It's gonna look, well, in some ways, I guess, eight billion different ways because there are gonna be uniquenesses to every single person. But, but there's a health and a wholeness that I think deep down we ache for, we yearn for, we long for. Now, if you're hoping that we're gonna give you three guaranteed tips, silver bullets, to being the person of your dreams, you're gonna be disappointed, okay? The irony is that people can help you actually achieve different things, but some of you have lived long enough to know that you can achieve those things only to discover that they're not what you thought you were looking for. Some of you might be familiar with this quote by Jim Carrey, the famous actor, who said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. Here's my point. I want us to think about who before do. I want us to think about who is it that I am becoming? Who is it that God has created you to be? Who is it that God wants you to become? I think that, I think that the more we can align our lives with that vision, and get onto God's agenda, I think the more peace, the more joy, the more confidence, the more contentment we'll have, regardless of circumstances. It means that we'll be able to appreciate and enjoy and hold loosely wonderful blessings, wonderful victories, great experiences, great successes, but it also means that equally, we'll, we won't be completely hamstrung, derailed, crushed by challenging or negative circumstances. Doesn't mean we won't be stretched, doesn't mean that we won't feel the pressure, but I think that when we are prioritizing the right thing, when we are focusing more on who it is that we are becoming, who am I growing into, I think we have a far better capacity to cope with the highs and the lows. And by the way, I don't know if this is good news, I, I think that this is, this is helpful for me. I don't think we should think in terms of a blessed season and a trials season or a challenging season or a painful season. I, I think, and. It, Again, this is why it might not be good news for some people, that as you go on, you're gonna find that most seasons have some blessings and they have some challenges. It's very rare that it's all just gonna suck and it's very rare that it's just gonna all be amazing. Yeah. You, you might be a little bit delusional if that's, and listen, maybe that's happening, great. But, but I, I want us to, I want us to have healthy expectations and, and have a capacity, increase our capacity. I cannot tell you, like I'm, I am genuinely, deeply committed to this being one of the most important parts of the rest of my life. I want to grow and I want to help other people grow into who God's made us to be. 
on an individual level, on a family level, on a, on a church level, in such a way that we will actually impact those around us. That we would be able to make a difference from an authentic place, not just because we believe the right stuff, because again, many of you know we can believe the right thing and still do the wrong thing, and then that just discredits us, and we're not able to actually make a very real difference, because again, the difference we wanna make is not just material and practical, it's actually to inspire and encourage people to find life in God, to find freedom in God, to find healing in God. If I have time at the end, I'm very mindful, by the way, of how many of you are feeling, I'm sorry. If you wanna give us a couple hundred thousand rand to buy a generator that will allow our air system to work, we will thank you, we will bless you. I can't guarantee you that it'll come back, you know, a hundredfold, but, but we'll certainly be grateful and it'll make a difference. Um, we're gonna take a look at um, a f three sort of key principles and how I believe God wants to use those over the next few weeks. But just before I touch on some of those examples, I wanna point out that all of us, consciously or subconsciously, have a theory of change. We all actually have a way that we think leads to growth, to progress. Whether it's education, whether it's rubbing up against the right people, uh, whether it is just hope, which I would argue is not a great strategy. Like, I really hope this year is gonna be better. I mean, I think it's good to have hope, but that's not a strategy. That's, that, that is not a theory of change. Now, I would argue, I would argue that most people, our default is to let change happen unintentionally and accidentally. And I think that the greatest solution to that is to actually be intentional and conscious about how we actually go about trying to do what we can do, because we can't do everything, we cannot control all the results, but doing what we can do and trusting God to do what we can't. So we trust in God with the outcome. So we do what is within our control. We do what we can to position ourselves. We do what we can to align ourselves, to, to get around the right people, to, to, to make sure that we're feeding our minds on the right things, to put the right practices. In we do what we can. That is a strategy. While there's also faith and hope attached, we're saying, God, I don't know how long it's gonna take. I hope it's real quick, because I'd like to change quickly. I don't know about you, but I, I would love for God to make certain changes a lot quicker. God's like, I'd like you to obey a lot quicker. But, but anyway, there's a bit of a dialogue going on. And I believe, I, I, cannot, I cannot guarantee you a shortcut or a deadline, but I can guarantee you, I am convinced that the things that we're gonna look at, I am convinced to my bones that it can lead to change, that it can lead to growth, to health, to maturity. And so I can't encourage you enough not to be accidental, not to just be unintentional and hope, but to actually be intentional. There's, a, there's an author that's written a series of books that I have found incredibly helpful by the name of James Brian Smith, and he makes reference to, to this image of what he calls a triangle of transformation. That's not gonna be the, the working imagery that we use, but I wanna just make reference because, because I think that he's touching on the right things that I believe are guaranteed to make a difference. So again, he calls it the triangle of transformation and involves the following basic elements. First is the changing of the stories in our minds. Because for better and for worse, we all have stories that we have accepted in our lives. Our lives are built on, and some would argue often bruised by, the stories that we believe in our minds. Yeah. Secondly, 
engaging in new practices. And again, the things we do, do something to us. This isn't only about knowing more. There is no sports person on the planet that has become a great sports person by reading great books on sports only. They do that, but then they actually have to go and practice. Have you, have you ever, can you ever imagine a, I don't know, I know nothing about karate, but a black belt karate guy or girl that's just figured it all out theoretically and can do whatever they need to do, just almost like magically. No, they practice for hours. In fact, again, some of you are familiar with the concept of the 10,000 hour rule that anyone that actually becomes proficient or professional at something, generally speaking, has practiced that thing for 10,000 hours. No Olympic swimmer studied really hard and left it there. They would have studied about strokes, about techniques. They would, they would have had to learn about health and fitness and strength and, they were, and about nutrition and all the rest and fitness and rest. But then they've got to get in the pool again and again and again and again. Any athlete, any boxer. And I would argue that for us to live the life that God wants us to live, it is knowledge and understanding, but it is practice. I don't think we can practice without having some direction as to what to practice, and I don't think that knowledge is enough by itself. And, and I would lovingly and respectfully argue that for those of us that have been in a relationship with God for a long time, and that's not all of us, and, and maybe you're not even in a relationship with God, you're so welcome, and this, like we're giving you the cheat sheet up front. But there are some of us that have been in a relationship with God for many, many years, and yet we feel so stuck. We don't feel like there's been any significant change over the last several years. It's, it's still just as hard to love your enemies. You, you can just as easily be offended. You struggle with stewardship, finances, self-discipline, fruit of the Spirit, just as much as several years ago. And I'm saying that that's because knowledge is not enough. Yeah. Unless we change the way we live, we're not going to change who we are. That's one of the reasons that we have that passage of Scripture up on the wall. We need to follow the way of Jesus. And so the third part of the triangle, which I think might be up or, or has been up, uh, makes reference to not just knowledge, not just practices, but actually reflecting on those practices, on that knowledge with others who are on the same path. So it makes reference to the, the social dynamic. But this is the part that obviously I don't want us to miss. This is all under the direction of the Holy Spirit. It is the extent to which we allow the Holy Spirit to, to make us aware of and, and, and to remind us and reveal to us principles, knowledge, understanding, renew our minds. It's the extent to which we allow the Holy Spirit to, to prompt us and encourage us and remind us and give us hope when we fail at it to keep getting back to that same practice and, and, and allows something of fruit to be formed through that. It's the Holy Spirit that if we will allow him to lead us, that, that will actually use community, use relationships, where over time you build enough trust and credibility that someone says something and it's like, oh, that's uncomfortable, but that's really true. And like a light bulb goes on. It's the Holy Spirit that uses all of this. We are influenced by our thoughts, that is our mind, our practices, that's our body. We need to get stuff into our bodies. We need to get what we understand, working out through our lives, our lifestyle, work, home, wherever we are, and through relationships, the social context, all being used by 
the Holy Spirit. Now, this is the metaphor that we're going to take a look at today and over the next two weeks, and I'm not gonna be terribly much longer, and that is a Venn diagram. I've gotta tell you, I think that, I think that teenagers use this in, with maths at school, is that right? Okay, I didn't. I had to look up what a Venn diagram was. But I'm not a golden oldie, because I'm nowhere near 50. I'm just telling you, but I, anyway. I've heard, I've, heard, I've heard references to, Ivan is a golden oldie, I just wanna point out, by the way, according to Sue slash Racer, golden oldie. Um, so a Venn diagram is when, is when you take a, a few circles and, and, and whichever parts come together, whichever part is common amongst those is, is the part that, that you're paying attention to to try and see if it, if it actually makes a difference. Now, I want us to take a look very quickly at uh, some of the images. So the first one, again, we said are our thoughts. For t in today's case, it's going to simply have the word mind. I think we have this. Yeah. Correct? Okay. So here we've got our mind. Then we've got our practices. Then we've got relationships. By the way, this is true whether you believe it or not, whether you agree or not, and whether you're a Christian or not. This, this is just true. Just so you know, like you don't have to be a Christian to, to believe this, right? All these things influence our lives dramatically. I was having a conversation with some people last night where we were talking about people that, that have had like unbelievably under-resourced, rough starts in life, and, but every single story I've ever heard of, there was a teacher or there was a coach or there was a, there was a grandparent. There was someone that relationships matter. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Again, nobody has ever developed good or bad, without certain practices. The things we do, do something to us. And then our mindset, like people that, that make a significant success of any area, in many cases are not better than someone else, they have a different mindset. There's a resilience to them. There's, a, there's, a, there's what Carol Dweck, a, a psychologist, calls an open mindset as opposed to a fixed mindset. The open mindset says, I can grow, I can learn. A fixed mindset says, I failed, that must mean I can't do this. So our minds, our thoughts, our practices, our relationships, and then when, what, what we're trying to take a look at here is where you put them together or as close together as possible and where the Holy Spirit wants to, wants to cause as much of each part to align as possible and wants to use that together. One of the other illustrations that I was trying to make happen and failed at was, was either a four-legged chair or a four-legged bed where, where the point I wanted to get across is that you can have one or two legs and it will keep part of the structure up, but you want all four if you're going to sit properly or if you're wanting to sleep. It's very hard to sleep on a bed that's only got two legs and you're like, <laughs> right? Like it's hard. It's very, I mean, it's okay at first to sit on a chair that's only got two legs or one, but you're not gonna relax. Like, you're not gonna build them. Anyway, so, so we, we are needing all four. So today, all I wanna touch on is the first part. That's the thoughts. That is our, our mind. In one of the first messages Jesus ever preached, Matthew 4, verse 17 records his words. It says, from then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, for whatever reason, I think many of us have understood that word repent to be like, repent! You kind of feel like there's an expletive in there, you sinner. Actually, that word repent, which is the word metanoia in the original language, simply means to change our mind. It's to, it's to actually change my understanding, to change my mind. The, 
the direction of our mind will take the direction of our lives. Just plain and simple. Again, this is an old cliche, but think you can, think you can't, both ways you're right. Our minds really, really matter. The Apostle Paul puts this into incredible language recorded in Romans chapter 12, verse two. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. How? So that's, that's where we get the word metamorphosis from, so to transform us by changing the way you think. Guys, if we don't change the way we think, if we don't align it with the life-giving word of God, we're gonna struggle. And we live in a world with increasingly loud oppositional voices. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I love how Eugene Peterson paraphrases this in the message uh, translation. He says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it, quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Again, James Bryan Smith says, we do what we can do directly in order to enable us to do what we cannot do directly. There are things that we, so you might say, well, I don't know what to think. I don't know what's right. That's okay. Please hear me. That's okay. So then you do what you can do, which I would argue a great starting point is to start reading the Bible. So God, I don't know what your will is. I don't know how to please you. I don't know how to have a healthy relationship. I don't know how to respond to stress and, and aggression and offense. I don't know how, like what, what honoring you with my money looks like. I don't know what honoring you with my body looks like. I don't know what honoring you with my sexuality or my relationships looks like. That's okay. You do what you can, which is start reading the Bible. And if you've already been reading the Bible for a long time and it's making no difference, then I would argue that you should start reflecting on the Bible. And, and there's a good chance that for some of us, depending on the season we're in, that we might need to read less and reflect more on the passage until it gets into us and has an effect on us. Again, you do what you can directly. That'll enable us eventually. And, and this is the thing, you'll find, you'll find out and yes, it could be months, it could be years, but you might find out years later, well, wait, this, this is actually a pretty good fire going on here because you've constantly been putting another log on the fire, another log on the fire, another log on the fire, another log on the fire. You do what you can and trust God to do what you can't. Some of you might be familiar with the American NFL quarterback uh, player by the name of Peyton Manning. He's, he participated in one of the Super Bowls and um, ultimately landed up being played in the rain, and it turned out that the biggest difference between his team and the others was his ability to handle the wet football. Only sometime after they had won the Super Bowl did people discover that during their practice sessions, when everyone else had gone home, regularly he would practice with wet footballs. He'd get them to wet the, wet the football, throw it to him, and he would have to throw it to to the receiver, even though um, at least half of their games were played under a dome, so there was no chance of rain. But there was rain at the Super Bowl. 
and what he didn't know for sure would or wouldn't happen, he was able to succeed because he did what he could. The other, the other quarterback would have been an amazing quarterback, but he didn't practice with wet footballs. Peyton Manning did what he could. We do what we can. And I'm just telling you as a pastor, I have seen people respond to crises and to trauma, to uncertainty, to mystery, to pain in very, very different ways based on their practices. To this day, and hopefully for the rest of my life, the worst example of that would have been a couple, I was with a couple who found out that their son had just hung himself. And I was amazed, like there wasn't denial, it wasn't, it wasn't trivialized by any means, but as I saw them journey through the death of their 16-year-old, not just on that day, not just a week, a month, years, over years, it was only possible because of a deep, deep set of habits and practices that had been developed that this couple already knew, like God didn't change for them. There were questions, there was pain, there, was, there were tears, there was agony. There was, obviously there would have been questions, could we have, should we have, what? But, but God didn't change in their minds. I'm just saying that the practices, what we, what we are feeding our minds on. I'm just telling you, I've seen the difference between people that have a godly worldview, a biblical worldview. I'm not talking about people that, that can all attend church the same amount. I'm talking about people that have developed a biblical, godly worldview, a mindset, how differently they react. So, I, I, guys, this is not a luxury. I'm encouraging you to read God's word regularly, as close to daily as possible. Not to impress God. God doesn't need to be impressed. He knows the Bible. You're not gonna write a test when you get into heaven. It's, it's not a legal thing. It's a wisdom thing. It's just, just keep, just keep sowing. Just keep putting another log on the fire. And if you don't know where to start, speak to someone in the Connect area or download the Lectio 365 app or the Version Bible app, which I think has got like hundreds of thousands of various plans on it. This is what the Bible says about the Bible. In 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God and it is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So you wanna be prepared for the unknown? Let's get into the Bible. Another way to, to keep trying to align our thoughts with God is hopefully teaching on a Sunday. It's, it's not flipping a coin on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning or first checking the, you know, the app, like is it gonna be load shedding, are we gonna be hot? No, no, it's just, that's it's what we do. It's, that's a part of our practice because I wanna feed my mind Week in and week out. Other ways are to, are to read life-giving books or listen to life-giving podcasts or to join a life group, as was mentioned earlier, where, where if you have no idea what the next step is, maybe you get around other people that might have a suggestion or maybe someone else has been reading a book and they, and they encourage you to read it. I can't guarantee that it's good stuff. That's the risk that we take. But I think God's kind enough, I mean this, I think God's kind enough that he'll give grace to the humble. So if out of humility we're, we're trying to find a good plan, we're trying to read a good book or listen to a good podcast, somewhere along the line, God, God's spirit, because remember the Holy Spirit's a part of this, is gonna say, uh-uh, like that's a little bit dodgy or maybe go 
bounce it off a leader or whatever the case is. Because here's the challenge. We allow our worldview to be shaped by default or by design. And I want to encourage you to shape your worldview by design. Let's be deliberate about it. So here's the homework, okay? Deep breath. Because remember, you might, you, might, you might agree with everything that's been said. You might even be inspired and do nothing. That's not going to help you, okay? And it's really not encouraging for me, but that's okay. I've come to terms with that. So, so do it, don't do it, but this is what I want to recommend. Do one of the following three, or maybe you want to do all three, because maybe you're that serious about it. Maybe that, I'm just telling you, I'm in a place in my life where I am desperate in a healthy way to make progress, to be a better leader, to be a better father, a better husband, just a better, I want to, I want to love God more. So it's not going to just happen by accident. So these are things that I have been doing and am continuing to do. Here's the first question. If you do nothing else, just ask this question. Do I want to grow? Really? Please don't just skim over that. If there's nothing else that you do, just reflect on that question this week. Do I actually want to grow? Am I satisfied with the way, yeah, but you don't know about my life and this? Look, you can make excuses or you can make progress. You can't do both. I'm asking, do you want to grow? Is there any room for growth in your key relationships, in your studies, in your personal work ethic, opportunities at work, character, whatever? Do you want to grow? And if, and if the answer is, I'm not sure, because maybe you really are very tired, maybe you're burnt out even, then, then answer a different question, which is, do I want to want to grow? Because again, there have been times in my life where I'm like, I mean, I, I, I want to grow, but I really want to want to grow. Because yeah. right now, I kind of, I mean, I know I should, but I just don't care, because I'm just so spent. That's, that, again, that's just honesty. Remember, when you get honest with God, you're the only person that's surprised. He, he, you haven't shocked him. Okay, second example or, or piece of homework is who do I want to become? And I would encourage you, again, if I'm being very blunt, I'm not overly optimistic, but I'm praying. I'm praying that by some miracle, quite a few of you are willing to do this actually find some time over the next week. And maybe it's chipping away a little bit at it tonight, tomorrow, the next day, but to actually write down some other stuff of who do you want to become, which is a, a version, hopefully, of who does God, who do you think God wants you to become? And then thirdly, to do a thought audit for seven days. This is for like the overachievers, Okay. Actually, no, the overachievers, you're, gonna go, you're actually going to commit to talking to someone about this. That's, that's, that's if you really want, you know, great marks. I'm joking, there are no marks. What I mean by a thought audit is, again, guys, we live in an information age. And what we give attention to leads to our formation. So I'm just saying, let's, for the next seven days, take two minutes at the end of each day and just think about what you thought about. What, especially as it relates to media and conversations. Even as a family, we, we, we practiced Sabbath this past weekend, so now, yesterday, we're starting on Friday night. We actually just asked everyone in our home, guys, it was 6 p.m. Friday to 6 p.m. Saturday. Can we do our best not to discuss anything negative, unless it's life and death, like it's an emergency, not to be sarcastic, which is very hard for me. <laughs> I, I think I'm really funny and clever with my sarcasm. Apparently, other people don't. 
to be honest and direct as opposed to like anything subtle or passive aggressive. Um, but ultimately, just to, can we just be constructive, positive? Um, it's, it's amazing how much more aware you are of conversations, of what you would have given attention to, what you would have, anyway. Do a thought audit and, and again, it could literally just be what have I watched, what have I listened to, what conversations have I had. Just pay attention, that's all we have to do. You don't even have to do anything about it, just pay attention. And, and I do think a practical help to this would be doing the Lectio 365 app, the evening program. So those of you that have gone onto the app, it's a free app, by the way. There's, there's always a morning devotional and then there's an evening. The evening devotional helps you to reflect. We call it a prayer of examine. It just helps us to actually reflect as we think back over the day. So I'm gonna end. Sue told me, Jason, that's great, but like, can you give us some examples? when I bounce some of the stuff off her. Sue's very good for me, you can be grateful for Sue. She's like, okay, but can you like tell, anyway. So, so for better and for worse, don't judge this, I'm just telling you some of the stuff that I've been writing down, some of the stuff that I'm thinking of in terms of who I want to become, who I think God wants me to be. Here's some examples, some of the things I've been writing down over the last year plus. Someone who is secure in God's love, that's a big deal to me. As a leader, it's very easy to be swayed by all kinds of stuff. Devoted to God, fully and quickly obedient. Someone who is more encouraging and inspiring to my family and those closest to me over time than to know those who know me from a distance, like you. I don't wanna be more impressive to you than to those who know me best, to those who know me closest. I wanna be genuinely and consistently present to my family. I wanna love people authentically. I wanna be a non-anxious presence to those around me, which is a person of love and joy and peace. I want to lead prophetically, courageously, and clearly, which means I wanna be secure and proactive as opposed to insecure and reactive. I wanna read and reflect deeply. I wanna be fit and strong physically. Yes, pray for me. I wanna be resilient and robust emotionally. Intellectually, a person of curiosity, diligence, and integrity. These are some examples of who I am trying to become. Things that I think honor God, things that I think are part of God's desire for my life. Answering the question, how do I wanna make a difference in 2023? I wrote the following. I wanna help people order their lives in order to enjoy God, experience freedom, and fulfill His purpose for their day-to-day -day lives. I wanna lead by example, inspire and equip leaders to do the same using teaching, practices, and relationships. And a key personal question that I've written down that I want to reflect on regularly is, do I consistently have the energy and capacity to correctly handle appropriate stress and responsibility and respond instinctively with the fruit of the Spirit? And just so you know, that is hard for me. You may think there's no stress in church, You'd be wrong. I need, I am desperate. I think it matters for eternity whether or not I become, whether or not I grow in my resilience, my emotional capacity to respond well to misunderstanding, to accusations, to, to offense, to, to stress, to pain that you can't take away. I think it is possible. I think it is possible to be a person of peace, I think it is, but I think it takes energy. So for me, my top priority for this year, this might not sound spiritual to you, is energy. 
And I've got a whole bunch of things written down underneath that in terms of what I think is gonna take. Again, you might not think this is spiritual, but sleep, diet, daily exercise, Sabbath. These are all things that I believe are spiritual and are helping me to cope with stress, helping me to cope with inevitable challenges that they're gonna come. I've given up the ideal that just loving God and doing the right thing, everything's gonna be amazing, I wish. I wanna encourage you to take this seriously, to reflect on who it is that you wanna become, hopefully through the lens of God, who do you want me to become? To reflect on the question, do you want to grow really? And to do a thought audit. And where possible, I would encourage you to put these things into writing. This is just the beginning. This is thoughts. Next week, that's where the rubber hits the road. So can I pray for you?